0: Equitable and inclusive workplaces. Challenging macroeconomic conditions, geopolitical disruption, climate change, and the rise of artificial intelligence are just a few concerns impacting millions of people globally. According to PwC's recent Global Workforce Hopes and Fears survey of 56,000 workers in 46 countries, 26% of workers stated that they will change jobs in the next 12 months. Many workers are experiencing tremendous stress, anxiety, and burnout. Organizations recognize that transformation is the key to long-term sustainability. Equitable and inclusive workplaces are a critical component of the transformation to ensure companies have a dynamic workforce to drive innovation and skills needed for future growth. Welcome to the Diversity Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Audra Jenkins, joined by my esteemed co-host, Ankita Banerjee. Today, we're speaking with the phenomenal Mandy Rico, a top global leader in diversity, equity, and inclusion. She is the Director of Advisory and Inclusion for Involve, a global consultancy and network organization that enables leaders and changemakers to build successful and empowering organizations where everyone can thrive. She oversees a global team who creates bespoke inclusion workshops for Involve's top clients. Mandy's personal mission is to, quote, support businesses and leaders to effectively drive inclusion that extends past an organization's four walls to create an inclusive workplace for a world for all. Prior to joining Involve, Mandy created Cantor's Global Inclusion Index, which implemented across their entire enterprise. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you very much for having me. We're so excited to have you on this program. Appreciate your time. Shall we just jump in? Let's jump in. So, Mandy, you've worked globally for many years. What are some key lessons learned over the years that help shape your diversity, equity, inclusion work you do today?
1: I think the main points that we need to come across is that we need to, as organizations, we actually need to listen to our employee base. And we need to tune into the fact that everyone is different. And especially when you work in a global organization where cultural intelligence is key to actually being able to produce a DNI strategy that works for everyone. And I always go back to the fact that for me, DNI is not just about ensuring that the minority groups are heard, but DNI is for everyone. It's about how we work together, how we ensure that we can be ourselves and how we ensure that we listen to each other. And in essence, be kind. So for me, that's a key lessons that I've learned working with global enterprises is that let's understand the countries where we are based let's understand what they're feeling and their perceptions around DEI is and let's understand how we can make sure that they are heard and they are part of the solution
0: wow those are some wonderful nuggets there mandy thank you absolutely DEI is for everyone and everyone wants to be seen valued and heard so thank you that's some powerful nuggets for our audience today transitioning to my next question uh, along those lines during covid Many people really shifted their perspectives on work life balance. As you know, it led to the great resignation, quiet quitting, and a large part of inclusion and belonging is creating workplaces that are supportive. What are some recommendations you have to support retention in this volatile labor market?
1: The key is you have to have a positive working environment. For me, The essence is communication and transparency is key to actually embedding that positive work environment. So it's about going back to listening to what your employees are saying in terms of what would make them happy and engaged so that you can ensure that they're engaged with your organisation's vision and mission and their values. Now, this can be done by diagnostic work. This can be done by actually employing engagement surveys, focus groups within your organisation. But essentially what it does, it allows us to actually hear what people are saying. If you ask the questions and you ensure that your employees are actually part of the solutions, make sure that you actually build traction. So a lot of uh, global organizations or even uh, local organizations will have engagement surveys, but actually they don't actually communicate what they're doing with those results. And that is key because people want to make sure that they are heard, they are valued, and they're being listened to. And so if they're telling you that something is not quite right. Actually having a plan of action, even if it's a long-term plan, is going to be key to ensure that you're keeping them engaged. Remember that during COVID, your employees helped keep your business alive. So actually listening to them when you're thinking about where they want to work, if possible, strive for a healthy balance for employees and company is vital. And then ensure that development is top of mind and that feedback especially critical feedback when in terms of performance uh, evaluations is not left to one formal evaluation process that is continuously communicated over time. When you actually come up to your employee evaluation, it's all about development rather than critiquing where they've not quite hit the mark in the past talent development programs such as involve works on rise or our emerging leaders program is vital in that because that's the tools that we use to drive equity for support uh, retention and that support retention and for me senior leaders are accountable for the culture of the business. So when we talk about a positive work environment, senior leaders are accountable, but we're all responsible for acting inclusively. So being direct, what does that mean for the organisation? How can they put that into place is vital. Doing the above actually helps with culture, building trust, and that's how a positive work environment or a positive work culture is built and created.
0: Wow, Mandy, so much to unpack there. I love the tying in that it's one, it's all of our responsibility. That's something our team tells everybody all the time. It's not just our team, our global equity team, it's every single person under our organization's logo that works here, responsible for creating an inclusive environment for all. And I love that you said that, you know, not just having engagement surveys, just for the sake of it, having engagement surveys, doing something with that information to shape strategy, add more policy, let people see or understand they're being heard. I think that's very powerful. So great, great insights there. Thank you for sharing that. Transitioning Mandy on to the next question so gender parity is a huge focus globally. I mean, I, it's something that's been, the, I would say, the number one de topic when I talk to people is gender parity. So European Commission has a gender equality strategy to move towards a more gender equal Europe by 2030. What are some best practices you're seeing with your clients, particularly in Europe, on prioritizing gender equity in the workplace? I love the fact that you're asking about gender equity rather than gender
1: equality. And the reason why is because equity is a systemic issue. And as such, making lasting change towards greater gender equity in the workplace requires getting everyone involved. Companies that are ensuring that senior leaders and the boards, when they have boards, have prioritised this as part of their business imperative is vital. Gender is a great start. But the ultimate goal is to ensure that all talent is heard and is equal. Now, you can't have true equality without equity, which is why starting with equity is fantastic. Let's not start with equality. Let's start with equity, making sure that everyone is on the same path and starts at the same point. Now, goals need to be tied into accountability because without that, goals won't work. So, reviewing your internal processes and uh, policies, not only on company-wide, but focusing on the way things are done departmentally, because you may have processes and then within departments, they slightly change. And you get those uh, phrases, and I'm sure Audra and uh, Kito, you've heard that before, that's not the way we do it here. There's no policies behind it, but it's just something that is culturally developed over time in a department. So actually making sure that that is clear and that everyone is aware of it. So you don't get cases where meetings are scheduled at uh, for 9am in the morning or 5pm in the evening, which could possibly hinder working parents, regardless of uh, what gender they are, working parents. Having a flexible working policy that provides employees with the autonomy to organise their own workload, because believe it or not, we're all adults. (laughs) and you hired us because we're good at the skills that we say that we've got so trust us to do the work and also looking into what support policies for things like something that's very close to my heart menopause policies or parental leave (laughs) for those with children or caring uh, leave for those with caring responsibilities that are not limited to children make sure that you support managers and this is really imperative because managers need to understand that how they are key to developing talent through coaching, mentoring, sponsoring. Involve, what we do is we actually created a program that works with managers, whether from a talent development plan or point of view or from a HR leadership point of view or inclusive recruitment initiatives. It's about making sure that they're aware of the impact they have As managers because managers should not only be about approving holidays or annual leave and also think about what you can do in terms of sponsoring an ERG or an employee resource group because that really does give you visibility and continues your learning I remember being part of as many employee resource groups as I could so I could learn Because all of a sudden I was being, I was visible and I was actually hearing what people were saying and how they felt. And that was key to my own development and my own education.
0: Oh my goodness, Mandy, you did not come to play today on the Diversity Deep Dive podcast. I almost want to do a mic drop for you there. We could just stop the recording. So honestly, (laughs) I'm just telling you, you are just speaking with every DEI leader in the world is saying every single day. Thank you, Mandy. Oh, my goodness. So let me just unpack a couple of those nuggets for our audience in case you missed it. So the big one I heard there was about giving support and resources, particularly for leaders. We can't expect leaders to have a magic wand at equity, diversity, and inclusion. They need toolkits they need guidance, they need support, they need someone that is their partner to help align with a great uh, holistic strategy. I think that was very powerful there, Mandy. Also, they're sponsoring the employee resource groups. We call them business resource groups at Ronstadt. All of our global business resource groups has an executive leadership team sponsor. So we have a business leader that's the executive sponsor of them. So that we are definitely embedding that in the business. So that's a very powerful strategy. Thank you for sharing that. I do love what you said about Get involved, make sure you learn and treat them as a learning opportunity. Education awareness is how is like the baseline of every global organization, if you start with education and awareness, that builds more understanding, that builds more empathy, that builds more time for you to be understanding why this topic is a top of mind agenda. So, oh my goodness, Mandy. I mean, we're just going to see your high fives all around on that because that was amazing. Some phenomenal nuggets there. But without further ado, Mandy, just to keep the conversation moving, I'm going to add the phenomenal Ankita Banerjee, pass it off to her who has some questions. Ankita, take it away.
2: Thank you so much, Chaudra. And oh, Mandy, uh, what a phenomenal comment and uh, what you shared about uh, employee resource groups and business resource groups. I could not have segued into this conversation at a better time. So my next question to you, what role do employee resource groups or ERGs or business resource groups or BRGs play in building up an inclusive ecosystem in the workplace?
1: I think the biggest point for me is that ERGs or BRGs they advocate for or advocate for underrepresented demographics in a typical workforce. That is a key. Supporting ERGs or BRGs actually can lead to more inclusive company policies, more positive work environment. They're a learning opportunity for not only those that are in the underrepresented demographics, but also for those that are allies to those demographics, which is an incredible honour. To be an ally, because what you're saying is that I support you regardless of where you come from, who you love, uh, your background, regardless of any of that, I am supporting you and I'm going to lift you up as much as I can. What they also offer is that they actually support greater diversity. So it means that your leads to more varied ideas, more innovation, more perspectives that initially can improve your product or the service that you offer. I love it when I hear clients say, we used our employee resource group to help feed into the marketing or to the building of this product, this service, because it it means you're listening to a wider workforce than just a very small group or siloed group. And actually, ERGs or BRGs actually hold businesses to account, especially when they're activated correctly. And that can be used as a great tool to stay on track, to meet goals and ambitions targets. It can help the company keep being sustainable. And so that is so important, especially in today's workforce. We're all talking about ESG and actually what we should be thinking about. If we want our company to be sustainable, we need to listen to society and your workforce. If you are aligned with what the workforce looks like externally, you're going to have that.
2: That's a very powerful thought. And I really react to what you said about, you know, the BRG or the ERG being microcosm of of the society, if it really reflects the society that you serve and you work in. I can see that in Randstad as well with our Women's Inclusion Network. I mean, we recently recognized uh, World Menopause Day and we had a great quiz, which we used to kind of raise awareness. And this was put together by the BRG members. So I really react to that, Mandy. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. Let me ask you the next question, Mandy. On October 10th, each year, we, of course, celebrate World Mental Health Day. And at Randstad, we were very proud to host a you know phenomenal roundtable discussion in our Asia-Pacific region on this topic. How do you advise clients to prioritize their employees' mental health and well-being as part of a holistic inclusion strategy?
1: God, I love this question. Love, love, love. It's incredibly important to ensure that well-being is top of mind, especially when it comes to D&I, not only on World Mental Health Day, but also throughout the year. We all have mental health. So let's make that very, very clear. There's not one of us that can say that we don't have mental health. We all have mental health. And throughout the year, your mental health is going to go up and down. It's going to be like a seesaw. It's going to go up and down. So fostering a culture of health, well-being and open engagement is actually essential to have that embedded into any organisation. If you're a manager Create a relationship where you can discuss mental health as an opening. I go back to when I first started in my career. The best conversation I had with my manager years ago was when they asked, what signs should I look out for to tell me that you're not okay? And that was, for me, no one had ever asked me that. And it enabled me to actually share, actually, when I'm not okay, you're going to see me very, very quiet or you're going to see me uh, withdraw into myself. And it allowed me to open up. And in exchange, it allowed them to open up about when they're not okay. And for me, ensuring that we can have that conversation, that trust, that relationship built as a manager and uh, someone that reports into them is vital because that way we can support them when they need that additional support. So as I mentioned, you know, for me, mental health, clarity and using it as something that we can approach every conversation about is vital.
2: Mandy, I'm going to remember that question from now and include it in my conversation. What do you want me to remember to look out for and you to know that you're not doing okay? What a powerful thought, what a powerful question. Let me ask you this, and it's really connected to what you just shared. Another critical part of diversity and equity and inclusion is creating safe spaces where employees can be authentic in asking for help so they can balance their needs with those of the business. For example, a person may be smiling all the time, like you said, right? I mean, they may look okay, but they may not be okay. Uh, Somebody who never turns down projects and are always upbeat, but they could be caring for an elderly parent or a disabled partner or child at home and feel burnt out or overwhelmed. How could we better educate our leaders to be mindful and empathetic of employees' overall stress levels beyond work?
1: I often question myself, and I have a little little role play that happens in my brain, and uh, when I want to have two thoughts that uh, carry on in the background, and I often ask myself, "Is this about education, or is it about remembering to be kind to each other?" And that question tends to remind me of a quote that the late Robin Williams said, which was, "I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make others happy." because they know what it's like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to feel that way. And that was so powerful to me because it is what I felt that I was doing. I was putting on a facade of being happy and jolly when sometimes I wasn't feeling that way. So I'm bringing this back to me rather than a larger conversation, because when it comes to mental health, wellness, I don't want to speak for others. I can speak for myself. And then those that want me to speak for them, they will allow me and give me permission. Now, the reason this quote tugs at my heartstrings is if we state that we want everyone to be their authentic selves at work, then we absolutely need to ensure that we're mindful that we are there to support employees through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Remembering to be mindful so that everyone is going to want to share their personal stories because we've supported them regardless. And that is a powerful word, knowledge, especially when you're talking about ERGs or BRGs. You want people to share their narrative. And so hearing that from across the organisation is so powerful because people no longer feel afraid to actually step up and to prove that or to say, I'm not having a good day. I need to step away from this. If we support people, we're going to bring the best out of them. Because, and for me, that's what inclusion is all about.
2: Absolutely, Mani. And really about, like you said, creating that safe space where vulnerable and bold conversations can happen without prompt. And just being very, very clear, this doesn't mean that I advocate for everyone
1: to share, even if they don't feel comfortable. It's about adding, allowing them to share if they want to. And that's what it's all about. If you want to share, absolutely. Otherwise, it's our conversation.
2: Absolutely. Uh, To whatever degree you're comfortable, you be you. I love that. You be you. Absolutely. Great, Mandy. I have one more question for you, of course. Uh, our global equity team hosts monthly virtual coffee sessions as a feedback loop open to all employees to help us gain insights to our global EDI strategy and actions. Could you possibly share uh, some examples of how your global clients are measuring inclusion and belonging impact? I love a quote
1: that came from my last company, from Makanto, where they said, obviously, as a research um, firm, they said, if it doesn't get measured, cannot change. And I love that because we need to measure and track how we're doing in order to see how change is progressing. Inclusion is very subjective because we're talking about feelings. So we need to ensure that there's some KPIs that we can track in order to help move the dial. So, you know, these KPIs could be around uh, looking at what the senior hiring goals are, promotion rates within uh, certain demographics. It could be tracking it on engagement surveys, you know, feelings and perceptions. So it's important to actually have some of these KPIs very, very clear so we can see how we're doing and being able to actually monitor and track them through departments as well as through uh, demographics. Conversation is a great way to discuss DNI, and i And the fact that you're hosting uh, these virtual coffee sessions is beautiful. And the reason it's beautiful is because it's the start of a conversation. I always tell clients, no matter where they are, D&I is a journey. There's no end date. There's no end goal. Well, there is an end goal, but there's no end date. And the idea with that is to make sure that we know that there are several different ways for people to feed in. So whilst conversation is a great start, ensuring that you have other procedures in place that will help everyone find a communication route that suits them because not everyone is happy to talk or to share their narratives so these conversations can become measurable they can help identify impact but it can be through conversations employee surveys informal meetings with managers there could be safe zones across the the organization where they just type in a question and can have uh, a feedback immediately it just you need to identify what it what does taking the temperature of your organisation look like practically and I ensure mean, sure that you have various routes to get there. You know, great ways to hear about those pressure points that make employees feel safe or that where everything is anonymous is vital, but it also allows them to feedback what could help bring it to life for them. So if they say, well, I, I didn't like how this happened and I would have preferred it to be this – It doesn't mean that senior leaders are going to go down that route, but it allows us to see what the majority actually do require in order for them to feel safe. I always say when we do communication, we have to be aware of the audience that we're playing to. And we may have to tailor communication based on the audience that we're actually talking to. So what you might say to the majority may not be the same communication that you do to the minority. I say it that way, you could say uh, what you, the communication you might say to the dominant group may not be the same what you, to the non-dominant group. So you need to make sure that the communication is tailored. But essentially, once you start tracking And once you start looking at trends, this will enable you to actually see how you're moving the dial in terms of inclusion. And that's the most difficult one, because when you think about it, when we talk about diversity, that's tangible. You can see how you're doing in terms of trends. When you're talking about inclusion, that's a feeling. And that is so much harder to measure, which means that we have to go back to what inclusion means. And for me, it's down to three things. You want people to feel safe, valued and appreciated. It's being kind. And how do you measure that? You need to make sure that there are some tangible things around that.
2: It's phenomenal. So really looking at people being kind to each other, to themselves, embracing their whole self, authentic selves and being valued and heard. And celebrated and appreciated. I'll remember that, Mandy. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know I have. I asked you some you know, questions, and I'm so thankful that you shared those insights with us. On that note, let me welcome back Audra. Wow, and Wow, Mandy, that was amazing. I
0: love that dialogue. That you know, taking care, self awareness, practicality. Your DEI is a journey. So many great nuggets there. I am just. I was sitting here mesmerized going, Mandy's in my head. I think, Mandy, are you in my head? Are you like psychic or something? Because I feel like you're everything we think about and talk about in our team, you have touched on all of that. So thank you for that. Well, it means that you're doing a great job. I mean, at the end of the day,
1: we want everyone to feel that they are part of a journey because that's what we all want as humans. We want to feel part of something bigger than us. D and I, I think people get afraid of the terminology around diversity, equity and inclusion because it feels like this huge minefield that we all have to, you know, very carefully walk around. And I always start off my when we do workshops is that you're going to make mistakes. That's human. You're going to make mistakes. And how we get past that is simple. If we say something wrong or not the way we want it, we apologise then we challenge our own perceptions as to why we said that. So start digging in and do some self-reflection and self-education and self-management. Why did we think that? Why did we think it was okay to say that? You know, we now saw the impact of that. So even though my intent was positive, the impact wasn't. So let me rewind that and then turn it into a learning opportunity. And that way we continuously evolve. And I'm speaking to the converted here. I don't know what I'm saying <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yes, and Keita and I agree. We're over here doing high fives and going, get, nodding our heads. We are in full agreement with you, Mandy, on that. So that's a great segue to our next question, Mandy, on allyship. It's really, I feel that's a really critical part of our global EDI strategy. What advice do you have for allies to help them? And this is the key part demonstrate their support through action and not just words.
1: I always play about with this because I do think that to be allies, true allies, we have to support through action and not just with words. But we also have to identify that not everyone is comfortable verging on being very active. So I always say, think about what kind of an ally you are. Are you a passive ally or are you an active advocate? Because essentially the way I see it is, There will be, and this is my perspective, so I'm I'm coming from my point of view, I'm like a pendulum. And depending on the topic, I will float between being an ally and an advocate. That's not to say that when I'm a passive ally that I'm not being impactful, but what I'm doing is more self-reflection rather than focusing on, you know, marching towards a cause. What I try to do is ensure that where I have a voice, I make sure it's not my voice they hear. It's the voice of the community that I'm representing. So an effective ally takes notice, listens, seeks out opportunity to learn. So if you want to support women, for example, look at the BRG or the ERG that you can sponsor or learn from or be part of. Be present in events that are held to support women. Have a conversation. You know, learn about what are their barriers and how you can change those barriers into bridges for inclusion. So, really, literally focusing on that. Attend community events to gain a clear picture of the challenges that your colleagues face. Listen to that community, and not only when the calendar dictates that you should be celebrating that community. So, you know, making sure you're an ally throughout the year and not just at certain points of the year. It's great that we celebrate Women's Day in March, but what are we doing in October to celebrate women? You know, it's great that we have a party for Pride, but what are we doing in January when it's not Pride Month to celebrate that community? Especially around, you know, we've just finished Black History Month in the UK. So does that mean we stop advocating for uh, those who are black within our community? No. What are we doing in December? What are we doing in January to ensure that these communities feel supported, engaged, protected and can flourish? Sometimes just asking the question, what can I do to better support you? And also don't forget how vital sponsorship is for those communities because at the end of the day, sponsorship is so valuable regardless of you know where it's come but senior sponsorship is valuable because mentors will speak to you sponsors will speak about you and rave about you and you know really make sure that you are pushed up higher so effective allies aren't just the ones that center their own agenda or discomfort it's about creating spaces for others and letting them lead where
0: they need you to
1: go And so that for me is vital.
0: Oh my goodness, Mandarico. Oh my you could just talk to us all day. Can you just come? Can we just clone you and this podcast version? This is everything our team says day in and day out. I'm looking at Nikita. She's on here, she's nodding her head. Yes, we're saying this consistently. We're saying this to everybody. It is not about one and done. It is about what you do every single day. The little actions add up to the bigger picture. So thank you for that. And I love what you said about. It's not just uh, ask what you can do. Sometimes, you, like you said, you don't have to be this bold, outspoken speaker about it. You can go and be, a, like you said, a mentor, a sponsor, an advocate. You can look at your own team, ask, can I make my own team more diverse when I have another hire in the opening? You could ask, hey, when you're in the next meeting, you're sitting around looking in your room in the meeting, ask the question, are all voices represented here that, needs to be, that need to be represented here? Did everybody get to say what they wanted to say in the meeting? Did we include the introverts, you know, that maybe didn't want to speak up, but maybe he need to pull it out so that they do have powerful thoughts and things they want to add to the conversation. That, just those small actions every single day build up inclusivity. Those small actions give voice to the voiceless. Those small actions make sure that people are seen, valued, heard, appreciated, like you said. That is what matters. And Mandy, oh my goodness, I just want to I feel like I want to do, like, a little happy dance because we had this conversation today. So powerful.
1: I mean, I don't know if you want to see me dance, but, you know, I'm happy to be there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love music, and I love everybody's form of dance. I think if you can move your body, you're fortunate enough to be able to move your body, you know, hey, that whatever makes you happy inside, and you can dance your own too. That's how I feel about it. Even if it's Michael Bolton, which is what I dance to. (laughs) There you go. Oh my goodness. All right, Mandy. So let's get these last couple of questions out. The one thing that we constantly share with our leaders and Ron said, you touched on this earlier, is tone from the top matters. We have an ambition to become the most equitable and specialized talent company. And if we're creating an equitable-inclusive workplaces, how do you leverage your support of your CEO and senior leadership team if to advance your DEI goals? Because that tone from the top really does matter.
1: It does matter, and it actually goes back. You know, senior leaders are accountable for the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Long is the days where they say, "Well, you know what? I'll just hire someone to run it because they have to be accountable." Well, as a DNI head of DNI, what we do is what we try to make it practical. So we're actually making sure that the job gets done, but accountability stems from those senior leaders. Responsibility, again, lies with every single person. So there's no point in actually talking about being the most equitable company or inclusive company in the world if your senior leaders don't behave in that way. But what I do feel is imperative is... What doesn't work is when you have your DNI strategy that doesn't go hand in hand with your business strategy. So for me, I always say, give me your business strategies. And what we're going to do is we're going to see how we can implement them with a DNI lens because all of a sudden that becomes how you're going to achieve your business uh, strategies rather than an add on to your day to day tasks. And that is so important because when we're busy, what happens? things slide. So think about your busiest day. You won't listen to yourself or uh, mitigate conversations with your teams because you just need to get things done. So all of a sudden your tone changes, the way you process work, the way you communicate with your team will change when you're busy. But if it's how you're going to achieve your day-to-day role, that makes a difference. It's important to ingrain D&I into your culture. So it's connected to the purpose, not to an individual. And that is imperative. You know, it's not about connecting it to one particular person. It's about connecting it to the whole culture of the business. And what it also does, it allows itself to weave into your processes, your policies, especially around attraction, retention and development. That's when it all works. So how do you ensure that you can leverage your senior leaders? Communicate. Talk to them about what works and what doesn't work. Don't be afraid to actually speak up to your senior leaders and say, we tried that and it didn't work. And you know what? It's great to try. And if it doesn't work, that's fantastic, right? You know what doesn't work. Let's try a different way and a different route. Failure is not a bad word anymore. 20 years ago, it was. Right now, it's not. It's about finding the path that works for your organization and remembering that if you're global, that path might not be the same in every single country. So having a global framework is fantastic, but it's got to allow for localization in order to make it work across the board. And for that, you need to work hand in hand with your senior leaders. That's the only way you're going to get things uh, working.
0: Mandy, that is so true. I just want to say, first and foremost, our strategy is global local, and you just touched on everything in our strategy right there. Global local strategy, localization, implementing, work with our equity team. Everybody in my team is client-facing. Client-facing meaning we are doing work that's in the business of putting people to work around the world, and everybody has, an, has a role to play in that. I'm so glad you talked about the business integration piece, because we integrate EDI and our organization be by being engaged with our communities, our clients, our partners, our talent, our people—you know—all those things that ebb across business strategy. You know, we are involved in those things, and I think that's where we, as ED&I professionals or EDI professionals, as we say in Ronstadt, add value. And I'm so glad that you called it out because if you're not linked to business strategy, it is just something on the side that you're doing trying to link it to something to make it stick it has to be in great integrated with a core function of our business and that's serving clients so thank you for that because that's so true i mean you just mandy oh my gosh look at the time we've already come to the last question so mandy i love to ask our guests what do you want your legacy to be that your family and loved ones remember the most Oh, my God. I mean, that's a
1: list as long as my arm. But um, (laughs) I have to admit, my legacy is my daughter. And I will be very specific. My daughter is 14, going on 40. However, she made me so proud the other day when she mentioned that although her dream has always been to go to Florida to Disney World, she decided she did not want to go next year because of the Don't Say Gay Bill that was released in school. She said if, if they do not accept that you can love anyone, she did not want to attend. Actually, what she said is she didn't want us to spend our money. So now it's our money rather than my money, but fair enough, okay, we'll let that drop. When we work with clients, I come up with the impression that I'm not going to change everyone's mind. You're not. But if I can influence one person in that room to just think differently then I will take that as my legacy because I've made someone, they may not get to the journey that I want them to get, but they've started thinking about how they could be better. And I think we, you know, we're not going to change everyone's mind, but if we do one thing to make us be better, we're not going to be perfect. Let's be honest. We're not going to get rid of bias. Let's be honest. But if we can start mitigating how we think, and thinking about the impact that our words have when we talk to everyone, that I would consider my legacy. So there you go.
0: Long-winded word. I <laughs> know. <laughs> that's perfect. We always want our children to think that we've, we've done something to make the world better for them. And, and definitely, Mandy, Rico, you are a livid legend living out your legacy as you are still here. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Mandy. You brought such a powerful insights for our listeners today. Thank you, Ankita, my amazing co-host. I also want to give a big thank you to our thousands of listeners globally in 60-plus countries. We appreciate your support. In the words of Dolores Huerta, we must use our lives to make the world a better place to live, not just acquire things. That is what we're put on earth for. Remember, when we celebrate equity, diversity, and inclusion, we celebrate humanity. Be sure to spread the word and tag our hashtag #Diversity. Deep Dive podcast. Belonging becomes a reality when everyone is actively engaged and working together for a positive change. Let's keep the conversation going. Please download more episodes of the Diversity Deep Dive podcast. Until next time, seek out ways to make a positive difference in the world, your workplace, and community. Thank you.